Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, when she's going <laughs> to pop eight, then you're going to pop around, man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls D portion of the <laughs> There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. Like, like Mex- Mexican America. food, you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. I'm Jerry Mee, joined, as always, by the one and only Patrick Ugelo. What's up, man? <laughs> What's going on, Jerry? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Oh, Awesome. Uh, Adrian might be joining us later. We don't really know. He's uh, fighting crimes you know man of mystery he is uh so he might be on later hopefully uh but he's not with us now but in his place we have a very special guest uh we got pox master daniel holland how you doing man doing well jerry how are you <laughs> just good just 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 dandy i'm dandy <laughs> um so yeah you know, our listeners asked for it, so we're here to deliver. People have been asking a lot about pox lately, and I figured who better to get on the cast than you. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience with the deck? How long have you been playing it for? Sure. So um, I picked up pox after Reed Duke crushed uh, at uh, one of the Star City Invitationals. I think it was, 20, was it 2011, 2012. Um, so I've been playing the deck for about three or four years now, um, pretty much exclusively uh i play a little affinity here and there so kind of opposite ends of the spectrum um go super aggro or just super control (laughs) um but it's been it's been a lot of fun i think it's a pretty competitive deck i think there are a nice thing about it is it's it's definitely a metagame deck and there are a lot of ways to build it uh so you can definitely react to whatever whatever sort of local meta you have yeah it's it's more like a uh a deck theory than a deck itself uh, because there are so many different evolutions and color combinations people take with it. You, you, I've seen everything and anything from an aggro deck to a super control deck. Yeah, yeah. It's so, um, I mean, the idea is to make sure your opponent has zero fun, so you're having all the fun. And <laughs> that is, like, any way you can do that with the card pox or smallpox mostly these days, pretty much. Any way you can do that with the card smallpox is... Uh, is, you know, fair game. Right, so that's kind of like the, the core of the deck, you know, what everything else is built off of. You, can you kind of go into that a little deeper for people who aren't really familiar with the card? Sure, so the card Smallpox says, um, both you and your opponent lose one life, discard a card, sacrifice a creature, and then sacrifice a land. I believe it's in that order. Mm-hmm. So the idea is you want to deny your opponent all of the resources, and the goal of the deck is to abuse this sort of symmetric effect. So whether that be by you not having a creature, you cast a smallpox and they have a creature, you get you know solid card advantage from that. Or if you if you have like no cards in hand after that and they have a creature, it's not sort of like turn one swamp go, they go turn one forest elf and you go turn to smallpox it's just like a total blowout yeah i think more the frequent one that always gets me every time we play is uh I'll, i've learned long ago not to play death right shaman on turn ah. one because you're like all right land fetch land death right shaman i'm gonna drop my three drop next turn and i'm just gonna take over the game from there and then you just go smallpox <laughs> set you back to turn zero <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, it's super brutal. There are a couple ways that could go. I know a lot of people. You, if you're playing Deathrite Shaman, you're probably not playing that many basics. And so, even if you lead on a swamp and pass, and they go Deathrite Shaman, you can end up going to Wasteland Innocent Blood, and it's sort of like the same thing. I mean, there are there are a lot of ways to deny your opponent resources, and that's the whole game plan. Right, and you've got that's it's a control deck, but. It's a control deck that can either control the board by wiping creatures, it's a it's a mana denial deck because you can destroy all their lands, and it's also a discard deck that can just strip the cards out of your opponent's hand. And I feel that's one of the big um, challenges with the deck is knowing which avenue to take. And even when you're building the deck, you have to keep that in mind because... Most Pox players will choose to f- focus on one or two of those avenues and stick with it. But the deck is capable of, you know, fighting on all three fronts. Yeah, there are, like I said, there are a lot of ways to build it. So it's 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 going to be dependent to your meta. I focus on more creature disruption because I feel like a lot of the decks that we play against are either heavily creature-based or miracles. And so I've set up to beat the miracles deck and the creature decks. But you can go with, uh, you know, four hymns, four inquisitions, and like a raven's crown, for example, and just go ham on their hand. Mm-hmm. If you expect a lot of, you know, uh, like storm combo decks, for example, just hope they don't kill you turn one and you have a whole lot of hand disruption. And smallpox and Liliana the Veil also incidentally attack their hands. So, right, exactly. Um, so I guess kind of take us back to the, the root of it. When you, when you first put together Pox, I know the list you were running is pretty different from what you're running now. So kind of what, what's the, the origins of the deck? Yeah, I would say, I mean, the origins of this deck go back a very long time to legit big, big daddy Pox. Right. Like beta and even, even, even just, I, I take it as a offshoot of the mono black control vein that's been around since, you know, magic was invented. Yes, exactly. Um, and these days it's morphed into sort of this extremely efficient resource denial deck. So I started out playing the mono black version, which I think is where, um, if you really want to pick up the deck is a good place to start. It's cheaper to build. Um, and you get a lot of the, you know, you get a lot of a feel for the theory behind the deck and how you want to build your pox type deck. And I, I think like a lot of people have migrated towards a black green build, Splashing for Abrupt Decay and Life from the Loam, so I just got sick and tired of getting annihilated by Miracles because the mono-black version of the deck, I mean, the goal is to get into a top-deck war where you're trying to nullify your opponent's top-decks, and the Miracles deck is totally fine with that. They're just going to sit there with the Sensei's Divining Top and play and be like, all right, cool. Right, right. I have to see three cards. The mono-black version, correct me if I'm wrong, is also more aggro-orientated. Um, you know, people will run things like Bloodgast, and uh cute trick with it is Mutavault, and uh, what's the... the Gravecrawler. Gravecrawler, yes, that's what it is. Yeah, you can go aggro. Right, so it's, it's almost like a suicide black deck where we'll run, like, uh, Bloodgast, Gravecrawlers, and Mutavaults as the win condition, and, you know, Gravecrawler doesn't mind being sacked to Smallpox because you can just animate Mutavault and recast it. Exactly. So that's that's one of the ways that you can attack on a different front, you know, be able to go a little aggro and still while still keeping resources that are not going to be, um, you know, that, that that abuse your symmetric effects like a small parks or a Liliana. You can discard a Gravecrawler to a Liliana and then cast it. Um, mm-hmm. 
Right, because that's really what the deck is built around, is breaking symmetry. It runs all these cards like Liliana, Smallpox, even Big Daddy Pox, that are all about these effects that are equally bad for both players, and then just building your deck to make it so that it's bad for your opponent, but you don't really care. Um, you know, you don't mind discarding a Raven's, Raven's Crime to a small pox, or you don't mind sacking blood gas to a pox. Um, so that you, you can just, you can just, you turn small pox from a fair card to a very unfair card. Oh, so unfair. <laughs> um, so, so the mono black version is the more aggro, uh, based. Um, what kind of made you go black green instead of, you know, you know, some other, like black red or black white even? So initially it was just that I really wanted to beat Miracles because in our local meta there had been several Miracles players and with the mono black version it's just so difficult. Um, even if you go like aggro like that, I know my mono black box was kind of my only win conditions were Curse Scroll and Mishra's Factory. I didn't really play with the creatures. Um, but green allows you to play Abrupt Decay. Uh, which is totally insane against Miracles, because, I mean, as odd as it seems like Counterbalance, it just crushes you, because you have a lot of one and two drops, and you just can't play the game, and, and they pop a Jace, and you can't handle it. Um, so I started playing Abrupt Decays, and I dropped four uh, Sensei's Divining Tops in there and just to kick them in the teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that allowed me to play Life from the Loam, which Life from the Loam plus Wasteland is nuts. Right, right. I mean, that's just an engine lock piece all on its own, and you can just take it to the next level by also de- play lands. <laughs> right, also denying their uh, their basic lands because you're also are you running the sinkholes still? Not anymore. With the um, with the loam, I cut the sinkholes. Okay. Uh, the sinkholes kind of come out for the abrupt decays. They came out for me for the abrupt decays or sensei's divining top. Mm-hmm. Um. But playing that, uh, playing that, uh, green for the loam allowed me to start fooling around with Entomb, which I think is a totally insane card in the deck. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of really cool one-ofs that have dredged like a Dark Blast or, or things that have retraced like a Raven's Crime that you can just tutor for. Um, and that also, the loam pushes you towards more utility lands, and that put me into the Dark Depths Thespian Stage combo, mm-hmm. which lets you go quote-unquote aggro uh, without actually having to play a whole bunch of dorks. They're just lands in your deck. So you can kill some, you can make Merrill Age on turn three with an Urborg, and, I mean, that's that's pretty aggro. Right. I would say so as well. <laughs> so do you uh, do you have your list handy? Can you, can you read it off for our listeners what you're on right now? Yeah, sure. Um, so right now I've got four Sensei's Divining Tops. Okay. Uh, four Abrupt Decays. Those kind of just the good cards. Um, I'm running four Innocent Bloods um, just because I really hate Death Rat Shaman. Like, yeah. That card is, is really tough to beat. Mm-hmm. And that's the one black each player sacrifices a creature. Correct. Yep. So more often than not, it's one black your opponent sacrifices a creature. <laughs> I don't think I have no creatures in my deck, so it is always. So I'm that's a pretty thoughts. pretty good way to break parity with that card. That's a pretty good way. Uh, I'm playing three Thoughtseize over Inquisition, um, just because there are plenty of things in Legacy where, it, because I'm not running the sinkholes, your mana denial plan against decks that have a lot of basics isn't quite there. So they can end up casting things like Jace. 
mm-hmm. uh, which feels really bad. And you can also randomly hit things like Sneak Attack, which, against Sneak and Show, which is actually a pretty good matchup. That's like the one card you can't beat. Right, right. Uh, and then I'm playing three Him to Torax, because that card's just bananas. And, of course, four Smallpox. Mm-hmm. And four Liliana of the Veils. Okay. And then I'm playing four Entombs. Oh, you're up to four Entombs. Oh, yeah. Four, it's, I mean, it's it's like one black instant speed monitor, basically. Uh, Can you quickly run down also kind of what the, all the targets are for Entomb? Because you got quite a few of them. Yeah, so the last uh, three Nalman cards in the deck are one Dark Blast, one Life from the Loam, and one Worm Harvest. Oh, so there we go. <laughs> and there it is, uh, which has just been an incredible, incredible card for this deck. Worm Harvest says... Worm Harvest says it costs two colorless and three black green hybrid mana, so you can play you can pay black or green for it. Uh, it's a sorcery, and it says put a one one a black and green worm creature token onto the battlefield for each land card in your graveyard, uh, and it has retrace, so you can cast it from your graveyard by discarding a land card in addition to paying the five mana for it. Pretty good combo with Life from the Loam. It's not bad. <laughs> when you set up against Miracles with your tops and, you know, your Abrupt Decays blowing up whatever you need to blow up, uh, and you just start casting this five-mana spell every turn that makes, like, five, six, seven, eight, one, one worms, even if you get Terminus, you just make an extra guy next turn. I remember playing against you once, and you had, like, 11 worm tokens uh, on the field, and I cast an engineered explosives and blew them all up. And then you took your turn, untapped, retraced worm harvest, and made eleven more worm tokens. <laughs> yeah, feels good, man. <laughs> I think it's the only time I, I ultimated Jace that game and still lost. I think it's the only time that's ever happened. <laughs> the worms got there. Like, the worms the only time got I've there. Ever beaten a Jace. <laughs> Um, so, and then also, getting into the lands, you can also entomb for the Dark Depths combo and Life from the Loan them back. Yeah, exactly. So if you're missing a piece, uh, you can entomb for it, which I think in a lot of other decks that would be, like, the crop rotation spot, if you want to go Turbo Depths. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the way I have my deck set up, it's obviously a much longer game plan, so I like the entomb being able to get a Dark Blast or a Loam if I need it. Um, having Loam is fairly important, um... I mean, that is your mana denial strategy, basically. It's smallpox and wasteland loam. So I kind of wanted to max out on having a life from the loam without actually playing a whole bunch of life from the loams. So the Entomb is just like a super utility card. Gotcha. So you really want to get uh, Right Chums off the board as soon as possible because if you're only running oh, yeah. one copy, uh, you kind of open yourself up that if uh, they, they get that Deathrite Shaman active, it can ruin your, your entire game plan. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there are like, there are some tricks you can pull with Sensei's Divining Top, where they go to eat it, and you can tap to draw a card with Sensei's Divining Top, and you can dredge the loam in response. Yep, exactly. Um, and that'll fizzle the ability. And uh, from my experience, most players don't see that. I think just because Sensei's Top and Life in the Loam don't usually go in the same deck. But that's no. that's a great combination that you can just get people with. Um, it's also really good if you're... Because in this deck, you don't have all that many... I mean, you have six fetch lands to reset the top, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the top three cards and you're like, damn, you know, these are all these are all garbage. I cannot use these right now. You can just dredge alone, put those three cards in your graveyard and have another look at three fresh cards. It's another way to to reset the top, basically. Yep, and then the top also combos great with the other dredge card in the deck, uh, the Dark Blast. 
Oh, yeah, totally. Um, because you can just use shenanigans, because Dark Blast is one black, target creature gets minus one, minus one, Dredge, is it three or two? Three. Three. Dredge. Um, so you can, you know, Dark Blast, a Stoneforge Mystic, tap the top, Dredge Ape, cast Dark Blast again to finish off that, you know, stone, it, all the kind of pesky creatures in the format that have two toughness, you know, Deathrite Shaman included. Yeah, it helps you can... This is a trick that I think in the past has kind of been used. Uh, inside your upkeep, you dark blast something, and then for your draw step, you dredge it. Yep, that is um, well. The top lets you do this at instant speed, which is really helpful. Turns your dark blast into a disfigure. Right. Which is and, another great card. And if you really want to, you could probably turn it into a... Uh, uh, what I'm blanking on the card, but the minus five, minus five card. <laughs> it would oh, be dismember. Dismember. There we go. Yeah, get some tops active. <laughs> if you tried really hard, you might be able to pull that off. <laughs> you only need your draw step and three tops. That's fine. Dredge fifteen, kill target creature. Actually, te- <laughs> technically only two tops. If you just you know draw draw. Oh wait, no, that wouldn't work because the dredge. Three mm-hmm. tops. You still need three tops. You still need three tops. You're probably gonna lose a top in the process, but hopefully you've won by that point. When you really need to kill that Tarmogoyf. <laughs> Uh, nice. So, uh, Pat, I guess, you know, since we're doing it anyways, might as well make this, uh, you know, our what the hell should we play deck. Do you have, yeah. uh, do you have some like, kind of questions ready to go? One of the things that's a little bit tough with Pox is that it doesn't seem to port into a lot of other decks. Like, do you find that to be true? It, because there's so many different <laughs> builds, it's probably, it's probably sort of, uh, dependent on what build you're on. Like, uh, what do you mean by port into an... Like, so, could I audible this into... If I wanted to play something else, it's like, oh, I have these cards already. Exactly, right. yeah. So, like, one of the cool things about, say, like, a deck like Merfolk is that even though it's not necessarily always a Tier 1 deck, like, you are getting into a lot of, um, uh, you know, things like Force of Will and whatnot that port over to other decks. So we kind of always like to talk about that because we have a lot of listeners who are either budget conscious or, like, trying to build their legacy collection, and if you can start with a good core group of cards and, and then sort of branch your way out from there, it makes it a little bit easier to, to get into the format. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I promise you, if, you know, you are the kind of person that just loves completely annihilating your opponent, like, if you thought you felt good playing Rugged Delver and, like, Wasteland stifling them, <laughs> you have no, like, just crushing your opponent at zero cards in hand and zero permanence in play is, like, the greatest feeling, and you will just never put the deck down. I think it kind of speaks volumes that you've been playing that deck almost exclusively for the last four to five years. Yeah. Since, like, um, I mean, it's 2012, 2011? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... I mean, it's... I'm just that kind of person, you know? Like, I'm a bad person. Like, I play modern <laughs> decks, and and they're janky, but I play the blue-white Quest for the Holy Relic deck just because I want to go off turn two with a, with an Argentum armor and start blowing up lands because that's what I like to do in Magic. Yeah, you just like ruining people's day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, for sure, like, do you, are you running any, like, of the change of Mephistopheles in the, in the board, or...? Yeah, um, I do have one in the board. I mean... Yeah. This is also that deck where if you want to spend a lot of money, your deck gets a lot better. Um, yep. But those cards probably aren't going to be useful anywhere else. Right. The Abyss, Nether yeah, Void. Yeah, I was going to say, like, some, some people run Tabernacle, some people run the Abyss, um, Nether Void, um, you know, cards like that. But yeah, Which are all have... insane Legends cards with, right. you know, $300 <laughs> average price tag. Right, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, it seems like you can build the, the deck without those cards, so... Is it can it be like a budget conscious deck as well? Yeah, absolutely. You can build this on a budget for sure. You do kind of 
the key cards in the deck that are going to cost you a lot of money are Liliana the Veil yeah, and Wasteland. Although Wasteland is one of those cards that you know goes into almost every deck in Legacy, so yep. that's a good pickup. And, and uh, Liliana can go into other things as well. Right. I mean, Wasteland's going to be an Eternal Masters, and yeah. I think everyone's holding their breath waiting for the Liliana the Veil reprint. <laughs> we, it's like, certainly... It's- like the uh, the Eternal Masters are certainly ways where it can be done, and Wasteland's already seen a pretty pretty uh, you know decent price drop since the announcement of it yeah. being in that set. So that's it's not a bad time to pick those up either. Yeah. So two of the most expensive cards in the deck are uh, due to get a pretty big price shave. So yeah, people are looking at really like the deck. It, it's certainly something that you can get into to pretty cheap. I feel this summer. As long as the Lianas don't, you know, go through the roof. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that Lily. If if Lily doesn't get reprinted, it will probably see another jump because just from people expecting, pe- you know, others to jump into the legacy format with Eternal Masters coming out. Um, but if it does get reprinted, I think you'll see that that price tag. What are they like? A hundred, hundred twenty bucks right now. So you'll probably see that get cut. You know, by thirty percent maybe. Yeah, I also wouldn't be too surprised to see smallpox uh, see a printing at Uncommon in Eternal Masters. Ah, oh, that would be cool. Small, yeah, yeah really cool. smallpox is one of those cards that it's kind of been for the old school uh, Magic players. Uh, people have fond memories of smallpox and and terrible nightmares of smallpox. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going back to like since it's been printed. What what was the first printing of smallpox? Was it Fallen Empires? No, smallpox or pox. Uh oh yeah, so smallpox. So smallpox, came. I think it was. Um, so pox came first. Time spiral. It was like 2006, I think it came out. Well, no, that was a reprinting. Pox, pox. No, smallpox came out in 06. Okay, yeah. So and then pox was. I don't so know. So pox originally was Ice Age. Was it really? Yeah. And smallpox. Oh, smallpox just got reprinted in conspiracy too. Yes, it did. Yeah, it was and, an uncommon. And yeah, oh, it really was. It was a uh, time spiral. I thought I thought smallpox was just more common. Uh, was more. It was older than that. Uh, but yeah, um, and then it's it's then it's been in you know 2012 core set and 2014 core set. Or no, sorry, not 2014 conspiracy. 2014. So yeah. Oh, okay. So. Big Daddy Pox is, is the OG original one. <laughs> Big Daddy Pox is the OG. And there were decks, I mean, I was looking up um, in some of the deck databases today, like what, how the builds have changed over the last, since like 2011. And you can see how, I mean, there are kind of two different schools of thought. I mean, some people really want to play Jam for Smallpox, for actual factual pox, and just go mm-hmm. mono black um, total control, and I respect that. I used to play one Big Daddy Pox in my mono black deck. It was, it was yeah. sort of like Smallpox number five. It's tough to hit three mana and legacy and cast a card that's not going to win the game. Mm-hmm. As fun as it may be, um, it's just kind of tough to do in a competitive setting. Yeah, and I would also think that being, uh, like you said, being three black man is a little bit restrictive. Now, it, <clears throat> is there a reason why you, people like just kind of shy away from from OG Pox, other than the fact that it's difficult to set up, like to really take advantage of that? I mean, is that was that what the original Pox decks were doing? They were trying to take advantage of the number game there, or was it just like we can deal with discarding this and losing this life easier than another deck can? I think it's that. When newer cards started coming out, 
that mm-hmm. was the card that ended up getting shaved first. So, for example, for three mana these days, you can cast Liliana, which is kind of yep. like an overtime pox. Sure. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just a better card. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it was tough to justify, and I think it just sort of went first on the shaving. Mm-hmm. It was, it was harder to set up too, because most times people would like cast Dark Ritual to get the pox out early. Um, and that just kind of hurts you in the card advantage front even more. Um, right. Because Pox is one of those weird decks that you have to kind of figure out where there's a tipping point because it's it's rounded up. Yeah. So, for example, four lands, you know, if they have four lands, you're hitting two of them. But if they have five lands, you're hitting three of them. Um, you're still hitting two. Well, isn't right, it? It's one, it's one third rounded up. Oh, yeah, it's one-third. I was thinking one-half. Um, yeah, it's also their hand size. So, I mean, with that card, there's a lot of math that goes into it, and, and those kind of games, <laughs> I've heard it been called, you're sort of just, like, mathing people out of the game. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that's why people stop playing it. It's too much math. I don't like math either. So. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of math. It does give you these scenarios where you get to, like, six for two somebody, which is totally insane. That is pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, I guess if you're gonna dark ritual this like in the, in an early turn, like you're already gonna pull two cards out of your hand, so conceivably you'll have like a five card hand and lose two, mm-hmm, and yeah. you can make your opponent discard three, I guess, right? Like in a seven card hand, I don't know. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they would be discarding three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, so what decks is this is this great against? I mean, what what do you just stomp all over with the with the pox deck? Green decks. <laughs> you eat green decks for breakfast. That is yeah. your bread and butter. Um, Rug Delver, uh, Blue Red Delver is not too bad. Grixis is tough with the young pyronan or young pyromancers. That's aggravating. So the Dark Blast in my main deck is uh, a concession to that. Um, but the rest of the creatures, just decks that have like very few creatures and want to kill you with like one dork, are mm-hmm. in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then green decks like elves. I mean, smallpoxing them, dark blasting them. You have just so many ways to kill their their dudes that it's it's really tough for them to ever get anything going. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about kind of Delver decks as a whole? Because in some matchups you're favored, but in other matchups, if they just get the Delver down and can protect it, um, they can just kind of steal the game that way. That's true. I mean, I think playing four Brought Decays helps because mm-hmm. their plan is to like sit behind like double force a will backup, and you're like, all right, decay your dude, and then they're like, all right, crap, now I have to actually find another guy. Uh, and that's not too bad. I mean, almost like a significant chunk of the cards in your deck kill a Delver. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, you have ways to get under a counterspell with the Abrupt Decays, and I do have a Cabal Pit, which with Loam is pretty great. I mean, it's, uh, it's you, a land... Uh, yeah, can you read that off for Because <laughs> that's a hilarious card. Yeah, it's a land from Odyssey. It taps to add a black mana to your mana pool and does one damage to you. Um, and if you have threshold, so if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, you can pay one black and tap and sacrifice it to give a creature minus two, minus two until on a turn. So you can just kill a Delver with that, or kill a nice. Deathrite, or something like that. And that can't be countered unless they have, like, a Stifle, for example. Now, I, 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 when you ran through the deck list, were you running the Curse Scroll in, in your main board? No, I don't run Curse Scroll anymore. So the okay. Curse Scroll is, is like a, a win condition that also kills dorks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty sweet card, but I wanted stuff that I would be okay dredging over. So yep. I audibled into the Worm Harvest version, which ends up being just super great against a lot of things. Like decks with Tarmogoyf, if you just make five dudes, like you don't really have to kill a Tarmogoyf right now, you can block it for five turns. Yeah. <clears throat> 
and it's just, like I said, great against Miracles, which historically has been just a really bad matchup for Mono Black Box, for example. Yeah, yeah, that's what that was my question too. Because like when we go into decks that it's diff- that it, you struggle against, I would think that Miracles is right up there with with anything else. I mean, with this version of the deck, I think I'm like ten and zero against Miracles. Really? I think I've ever lost to Miracles with this build. I mean, you have a lot of ways to pressure them. You can go for the early Merit Lage, and if they don't have that removal, they're just dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and with your long game, I mean, playing four tops evens that fight out. And you have the decays for their counterbalances, and you just jam Worm Harvest. And oh, sure, yeah, yeah. They just so <laughs> they can't beat that. What do you struggle against then with your build? Super fast combo decks. Yep. Um, so Belcher at oh you know, yeah, variations of Storm, Tin Fins, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Reanimator can be tough if someone resolves a Gristlebrand. That's Bad yeah. News Bears. Yeah, they you cast Smallpox, they discard Grizzlebrands, and then they cast a land and then reanimate them. Yeah, draw a million cards. Although, let's see, I think I caught Adrian once. I had to change the Mephistopheles out on turn two, and he, like, put Grizzlebrand into play. <laughs> it's like, sweet. Good, good. Um, I feel also, out of Miracles, the only thing you're really scared of out of them is Jace. Because from what I remember, you kind of have a hard time with, uh, with Planeswalkers. Yeah, Jace is really tough to beat. Um, if they get the Jace out and can counter your Worm Harvest, or if you don't have the Worm Harvest, um, then it's yeah, you're it like like if that sits on the field, like you have no way to kill it other than your Worm Harvest or a Merit Lage killing it. Mm-hmm. And if you're swinging with Merit Lage, you should probably just be swinging at their face. You should probably just be swinging <laughs> at their face. Um, but you can make like four or five Worms. I mean, Jace quote unquote protects himself by bouncing one dude. Um, and Worm Harvest allows you to go wa- super wide. Mm-hmm. So what I like about this build of the deck is you can go, you know, super over the top with a Merit Lage, or you can go really wide with Worm Harvest. So you have outs, but, I mean, if they land that early and you haven't had enough mana disruption or haven't been able to get out of their hand with Thoughtseize, um, then it can be, that can be tough. That hasn't happened often enough, though. I mean... I don't know. I, I haven't lost to a Miracles Jace with this build of the deck, just because Worm Harvest. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, how difficult do you find the deck to pilot? Like, I mean, competently. Um, it's become a lot more difficult. The mono black version is is. I don't want to say it's easy. It's easier than this version of the deck. It's. Mm. It really makes you think about uh, what resource you want to go after against whoever your opponent is. You have a lot of different options with the mono-black version, and so, for example, if you're not... Like, if they miss a land drop, but they start building up cards in their hand, like, do you fire off a small posh just to get a card out of their hand? Like, how afraid of that are you? You know, it makes you think about things like that. Mm-hmm. This build of the deck, I mean, anytime you're playing Four Sensei's Divining Tops, <laughs> things get tough, because it, it opens you up to a whole lot of different options. Um, and having four tombs with a few targets and some utility lands. Um, almost always you're entombing first for a Life from the Loam, but you can get into situations where you're like, maybe I want a Dark Blast, maybe I want a Loam because it would be really good if I hit, but if I don't, then I'd rather get the Dark Blast. So It, it can be quite difficult with the four tops. It, it feels like you're playing Miracles without the extra blue cards to to see <laughs> cards. 
Very nice. Yeah, the, the deck seems sweet. I actually played against, uh, not this past week, but the previous week in Worcester, played against like an OG Pox list. It was the first time I played against a, a Pox deck since I started playing Legacy like almost a year ago, so it was interesting. Um, he was, what he was, what were you playing? I'm, um, I've, I've been running with Blue Red Delver lately. Um, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to, uh, I'm sort of all over the place with the decks that I play, so what I've been trying to do lately is, just hone in on one deck, so I, when I go to GP Columbus, I'll have a lot of practice with it. Um, so I've, I've been focusing on Blue Red Delver lately. So really enjoy that deck. It's uh, one of the first decks I built for Legacy. So yeah, that deck is super sweet. I think one of the reasons I decided to play this deck was yeah, that's that <laughs> a lot of people at the time were playing Blue Red Delver. Now this is before Young Pyromancer and mm-hmm. Treasure Cruise and all of that. So it was like Grim Lava Mancer, Snapcaster Mage, Delver, Vendillion Click. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mono black pox list just ate that deck alive. Yeah, I would think like so. You, yeah, they were they had uh, four engineered plague in the board, and you name wizard, and that's every single creature. <laughs> that <laughs> well, yeah, that's rough. <laughs> also, the OG version running curse scroll kills everything in the blue red delver deck. Right, and that's that's so, one of the issues I had running against that pox list was that he had curse he had like double curse scroll. I think in game three, it was very difficult. I couldn't get anything to stick to the board, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I remember the first time I ever saw Pox was actually with you, Dan. Um, we were watching the Star City game stream, and Reed Duke was playing it, and he was versing a Blue Rod Delver deck, and he just dismantled that player. Yeah, it was brutal. I think it was like Adam Prozac was playing Blue Red Delver, and it was... It was not pleasant. <laughs> yeah, and I remember both of us just looked at each other like, yeah, we're going to build that deck. And that deck looks sweet. Yeah, and you just you took it and ran while I, I got my deck ADHD and moved on to other things. <laughs> yep. um, so does that wrap up everything we had? Questions for the what, what the hell yeah. did I play? All right. Yeah, it does. We have a bunch of vague yeah. questions, too, if you want to roll into that. Yeah, we got a bunch of listener questions for you, Dan. Sure. Uh, so first one here is Lincoln Baxter asks, um, how competitive would you say Pox is today, and where do you think the dex evolution is headed in the future? Um, how competitive <laughs> is it today? I mean, that really depends on how much money you want to put in and what build you want to run with. I mean, I've had... I've had really good success with this deck. Um, I haven't, like, crushed any major tournaments, but I don't really play that often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is very, very competitive, and I haven't been playing enough lately. I know one of the big decks now is the Eldrazi deck, and I feel like a lot of your cards match up really well against, oh, I'm just going to drop a big fat dude, and you're like, all right. <laughs> yeah, you're all sacrifice. <laughs> yeah, you're not trying to burn out in Eldrazi with five toughness. You're just innocent <laughs> blooding it. Yeah, also Wasteland, I mean, they have no basics. Like, the Wasteland yeah. lock against them is super real. So I yep. feel like that could be a decent matchup. It's, it feels like the mud matchup of the past. Mm-hmm. And this has always been, you know, that's always a really good matchup for you. Yeah, the Eldrazi deck does operate very similarly to mud anyway, so. Um, so you you mentioned, you know, Pox is one of those decks that is kind of tied. I mean, like a lot of decks in Legacy, you know, the more money you spend, the more competitive you can make it. Of, like, the big money cards in the deck, can you kind of stack rank them, which you would say is most important to least important? Um, so everything that I've seen, like, if you go to MTG Top 8, for example, and look at all the box decks that have Top 8 mm-hmm. um, 
they all have, almost all of them have a tabernacle. So having that card seems to be pretty important. I mean, it's the super gross card. Um, and I think you can just totally scumbag someone out of the game who doesn't, isn't familiar with the card, right? They untap and draw a card and you're like, alright, all your guys are dead. <laughs> you forgot to pay upkeep. You can do that. And I feel like that's where a lot of that value comes from. And while you're taxing their mana, them having to pay for their dudes is also totally insane. So if you're playing that fairly, it's very good. Right. So that's more kind of going to a mana denial deck rather than a hand disruption deck. Um, right. I, Creature control deck. Right. I also feel that version's you're almost morphing into a black-green version of lands with, you know, if you want to load up with extra Dark Depths Thesmian stage combo. Um, you know, yeah. having more utility land, lands just kind of draws you. It's almost like eventually where does it separate from, um, you know, are you a pox deck or are you a land deck? Right. I think I play pox over lands, one, because I had all the cards. Um, and I think the Miracles matchup for lands seems to be, it's like 50-50. Um, I don't think it's like super great for lands. Uh, whereas this deck seems very, very well set up to beat um, a Miracles deck, and you have a lot of the same elements of a lands deck, although you're you're not nearly as fast. I mean, lands is trying to just play a bunch of lands, port stuff, and maze of it, whereas you're like, all right, I just want to kill it, get it off the board, and wasteland lock you out of the game, and then cast Worm Harvest. Mm-hmm. Actually, kind of in the same vein, Ian McCown asked, uh, what's the best 61st card of the deck? Yeah, I'm sorry. What's the best 61st card in any Pox deck, and why is it Worm Harvest? But you're wisely running in the uh, in in the in the original 60, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is definitely Worm Harvest. Um, I remember Caleb at one of the last tournaments we went to. He was playing Lands, and he goes, "I always play a 61st card. What card should I play? I think it should be a Ghost Quarter." <laughs> and started flipping through his binder. And passed the Worm Harvest. I was like, dude, you should totally play that card. He's like, Worm Harvest, really? And he's like, oh yeah, this used to be in the deck. I don't know. And he pulled it out and he like kept looking for the Ghost Quarter. And on the last page, he found it and he's like, oh man, what do I do now? And I was like, well, if you want to do well, you should probably play the Ghost Quarter. But if you want to be a baller, you should definitely play the Worm Harvest. And he's yeah. like, go and baller today. And he's splitting the finals. And he's like, dude, Worm Harvest won me like three games where I just absolutely could not have won. Yeah. <laughs> any other way. Like, he ended up playing against Mud, and he's like, so I made Merit Wage at Sorcery Speed because I had to, because otherwise, he, I think he, he could have Wastelanded me. Mm-hmm. He's like, and so he responded by just Phyrexian Metamorphing my Merit Wage, and so we're sitting there staring at each other with 2020 Destructibles, <laughs> and I was like, Drew Warm Harvest, and I was like, make five dudes, make six dudes, attack. <laughs> <laughs> seven dudes attack <laughs> that's great oh <laughs> uh, um Ara asks uh why no crop rotation and also just tell him why his old build folded to walking dead oh um <laughs> this might be an inside joke that you might need to enlighten us on <laughs> yeah all of the builds fold to walking dead basically right cause all that deck is is creatures that die and come back to life so sure yeah it completely blanks all of your removal, which is a lot of your deck. Um, now, I've learned that lesson, and so in a similar vein, you you fold to dredge game one, absolutely, you can never beat that deck. It is just not possible. Um, so I pack four Leyland of the Voids in the board. I'm that guy. This is a card <laughs> they just can't beat. Yep. 
Um, let's see. I know we, we kind of touched on this earlier, but Adam Wallace had asked, uh, his biggest question is on how to make Pox budget-friendly. Uh, the good Pox lists he's seen have gone pretty deep on cards like The Abyss, Lily, um, Tabernacle, and Chains. Um, he's seen a lot of new players get into Pox and get frustrated when their budget versions lose steam in the late game. Um, how would you suggest a new player to Pox increase the deck's late game power if dropping a grand on change is, is too much? Yeah, so, I mean, in my main deck, I don't have any of those totally crazy, um, like, legends enchantments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing one chains in my sideboard, but it has not been very good for me, and I think I want to cut it. So I think you can definitely get away with a, a, a very competitive build of this deck without having to drop the extra $1,000 plus on those those extra totally nuts cards. I also don't have a Tabernacle. Uh, I think it would be a good addition, but the deck is still pretty competitive without it. It also is sort of a nombo with Worm Harvest, so yep. that'd be an interesting balancing act. Um, I think Liliana and Wasteland are pretty essential. Yeah, those but are the rest of the cards. Yeah, those are non-negotiable. But I mean, so for example, in all these other decks, like your dual lands are non-negotiable. So if you can pick up Liliana's and Wastelands, the rest of the cards are pretty cheap. I mean, it's like they're commons and uncommons. Smallpox, Hymn to Torak, Innocent Blood. Um, I think if, my next most expensive card is like Sensei's Divining Top. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go with like the build that I have enjoyed and I have have really found success with and think is one of the better builds of the deck, yeah, Sensei's Divining Top is very good. I think... For example, you know, you were saying um, some of these budget-friendly decks lose a lot of steam in the late game, mm-hmm. and that was the frustration I found with my original mono-black version. Even I got another void, and and I, I think I have like three or four abyss. Um, you still lose steam late game because you're not playing blue and you don't have card selection. So, I mean, four senses divining top. It's like colorless ponder every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good way to avoid that. It, I find it kind of ironic because all these people complaining that uh, you know Nether Void and the Abyss are really expensive kind of have Dan Dan to blame for that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, um, so I built this like super jank deck back in the day. <laughs> By super open. jank, it was pretty fucking sweet. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it was pretty fucking sweet, but it was it was definitely a pile of jank. It um, was blue black Tesserator. Yeah, so I had like Tesseret, Baleful Strix. I had four Ornithopter, four Memnite, and four Phyrexian Walker. Which, for those who don't know, is just zero mana for a zero three creature. Um, it's kind of like an ornithopter that doesn't fly. And the idea was, I had four lotus petals and four um, mox opals. So, so I just how to many like, zero drop artifacts is that total? Is that like thirty, twenty four? Me, twenty zero drop artifacts. Twenty zero drop artifacts. Okay. Like a thirty year deck is zero drop artifacts. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the abyss says. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, bury target non-artifact creature that player controls. So it doesn't hit your guys. Yep, even Baleful Strix is an artifact creature. I know, and so then the win conditions were four Tesseret and four Cranial Platings. Um, and I had like <laughs> three Abyss and like two Nether Voids in the board, or something like that. It was not, I was just like, yeah, these cards are sweet, I just want to see how it goes if I cast this on turn two and just win the game. <laughs> uh, um, 
and ended up winning a couple matches. And I think at the time it was like Ruben Bresler walked by and was like, what the Christ is going on <laughs> <laughs> right here? Uh, he gave me a deck tech and I walked over to the booth or to, to look at some cards later. Cause I was like, oh, maybe I'll look at well, another void. Going into that day, you were saying, oh, maybe I'll buy another nether void. They're like, they, I think they were like 90 or a hundred dollars at the time. Oh, it was less. These less, cards yeah. were like, the Abyss was like $55 for the Italian version, and Nethervoid was like 60 And you're like, oh, maybe I'll finish the playset today. <laughs> yeah, and I walked over, and they were like a little over $100. And I was like, like scratch, I was like, this was $60 at the start of the day. What the hell happened? He was like, I don't know, man. I just do my job. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Look on the internet there, like, as soon as the deck tech had came out, there had been a buyout on, uh, which, I mean, isn't too hard since they're, le- they're legends rares. Um, you know, we all know yeah. how volatile that set can be. So Dan had a deck tech and Nether Void and the Abyss got bought out and, you know, the price has never come down since. <laughs> <laughs> Super hard. And <laughs> Dan caused a buyout before he could finish buying the cards, too. So he didn't even benefit from it. <laughs> That's karma. <laughs> that was karma. Um, uh, so Steve Hendrick, Hendrickson asked, I think he's actually a pretty well-known uh, Miracles player um, on our page, uh, how many win cons... Do you suggest for a standard box list, and what are your favorite ways to win, and what are the most reliable ways to win? Uh, favorite, and what has, uh, so let's see. I'd say favorite way to win, Worm Harvest. Sure. That is definitely my favorite This is all time even more than killing someone with a curse scroll. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no, you know what? Best win condition ever? All right, I know you guys had Josh on a little while ago. This was like a me versus Josh game. I think he was on, like, some kind of bug control list, and I was playing Mono Black Pox. <laughs> I think and we... I looked at my opening hand, and I had three swamps, three wastelands, and another spirit. And I was on the draw. I had like squeaked out game one. And I was like, keep. And he's like, all right, because he had he had kept it really fast. And I was like, all right, keep. And he goes, all right, turn one thought sees you. And I show him my hand, and he goes, Are you serious? <laughs> kept that? He has to take two damage. He has to take the Nether Spirit, which comes back on my upkeep, and I wastelanded him. And I killed him with that freaking other spirit. That's awesome. That is the best way to win a game. I think I think he told that story when he was on too, <laughs> or I might have told it for him. <laughs> that was pretty great. That was a good time. Uh, I think the most reliable way to win in this deck is making Merit Lage. So I run one Worm Harvest and the Merit Lage combo, and that's it. It's just those two win conditions. Your goal is to really, really grind your opponent out of the game, and I think that's how I would build a Pox deck. I think if you're going to build, like, an aggro Pox deck, you're kind of playing, like, a tempo deck where you're not countering spells. You're just, like, proactively denying their resources, Mm -hmm. and I think if you're going to play, like, a tempo-y kind of game, you're better off playing a Delver strategy. So I would go for a more controlling build. I mean, even my my old mono black build was you. The only win conditions were Curse Scroll and and Mishra's Factory. Gotcha. Uh, so I mean, the, the the downside to that is you can get like um, pithing needled out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's tough. And out of the board, uh, especially with my build with the Worm Harvest and the Loam strategy, people tend to bring. Um, like rest in peace out of the board, mm-hmm. which is brutal. Um, so if you think about that ahead of time, um, in my board, because I'm running for Leyline of the Voids, I also run two Helm of Obedience. So you can board in 
another win condition with your ley lines or just against like death and taxes. Um, I've gotten plenty of death and taxes players by only boarding in the helms and they go turn to gotcha with the rest in peace. And you just sit there and on five mana, you go, all right, helm activate. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, looks like someone's knocking on the podcast door here. Let's, let's add this schmuck in. Face first into the board. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, how's it going, Adrian? Uh, eating pizza, watching the Bruins. Nice. <laughs> Glad you had, uh, you know, some important things to attend to rather than do a podcast. <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 did, I just got home. I had to, I had to, I'm coming home, I'm like, oh my god, it's fucking late, late. I still gotta unload shit out of the truck concrete you know i gotta get shit done gotcha. <laughs> this 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 podcast was getting the g rating until adrian got on yeah, yeah. so i didn't know i didn't know what the you know. <laughs> oh don't worry when adrian's here it's 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 rated you guys all hell breaks loose yeah dan dan oh. basically all you have to know is we're never getting a spoiler card that's <laughs> If we do, um, it it won't be G-rated. <laughs> um, so we're we're working through the uh, the listener questions for Dan right now. Uh, yeah. Um. Let's see. Um. Will Lorenz asked about your opinion on haunted plate mail. I think I've seen that, or I I saw that years ago. Yep. Uh, when it first came out in a couple pox lists, and I don't know. I I felt like if I wanted to go that that way that a batter skull was probably just better. I mean, it costs one more, but you're a late game deck anyway, and you can bounce the batter skull back to your hand. Mm-hmm. Just recast it. Yeah. The mana restraints aren't really that, that worrisome. Yeah. This is basically just kind of a more, a cheaper efficient batter skull. So it's four for an equipment. Equipped creature gets plus four, plus four, and it has equip cost four. But it has an ability for zero until end of turn. It becomes a four-four spirit artifact creature that's no longer an equipment. Activate this ability only if you control no creatures. So, so it becomes a non-flying spirit. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. It's a little bit of a <laughs> the, the armor's really heavy. It's really heavy armor. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess the whole point of it is is that you know, like you said, it's a batter skull that you don't have to bounce. You just yep. don't don't be dumb. Don't activate it after casting innocent blood. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's. I think it's okay. I think though that a batter skull is probably just better. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because for the one extra mana, I mean it's it gives you lifelink too, which can be, you know, that can be relevant in some games. Right. Uh, if you get hit low by early dorks and then manage to stabilize at, like, I don't know, four or five life, that can be a little scary. So if you want to go that way, I'd, I'd recommend a batter skull. I think it's a fine substitute if you don't want to spend the money on a batter skull. That was like patent MMA fighting. When you get hit low <laughs> early by little dorks. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Um, there are actually a few people did ask about this, and I'm interested to hear your 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 kind of reaction. Uh, dark ritual in the sixty. I'm assuming if you're running the blue, the the black green version, you are running a dark ritual, right? Yeah. So black green. I, I mean, I'm definitely not running it. Um, I wouldn't run it in. Like, I don't think any black green build. Um, I think if you want a mana accelerant in that build, you Mox. probably want Mox Diamond. Right. And you're just. I think in, <laughs> morphing slowly more and more towards just lands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think in mono black, you definitely want 
some number of dark rituals, like three or four dark rituals. Okay. Um, yeah. It's it's tough if you don't like if you have no mana acceleration in a mono black version and you don't have any way to look through your deck with like a top, for example. Um, you can get totally hosed. What the dark ritual does is allow you to start casting a couple spells a turn because your spells cost one like two mana. Mm-hmm. Um, so your opponent can start casting a couple spells a turn before you can, like the tempo delver strategies. Um, but being able to, you know, like turn to dark ritual thought sees you pick something out and then cast a smallpox and get just mm-hmm. get them, like that is totally worth it. I think you should definitely be running some number of dark rituals if you're playing mono black. But if you're kind of dipping into other colors, uh, they're they're one of the first things to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, And if you still want to keep mana acceleration, I'd I'd say diamonds, which I've played around with in this build and I don't like, um, which I think is why I'm on four Innocent Bloods, um, because I really want as much early disruption and setup as I can to stabilize late game. And the extra mana late game, not... Not that relevant. Yeah, top decking right. That actual feels terrible. Yeah, <laughs> that's feels ex- yeah, that's exactly what they brought up. Like, especially if you're running like a, a more budgeted version of it, and you can't afford some of the, you know, the tabernacle and afford the chains and whatnot. Um, drawing that late game seems pretty bad. I think one of the big things with dark ritual too is dark ritual is card disadvantage. You're basically discarding a card for some fast mana, but right. Pox inherently is a card advantage deck. You win the game by grinding out little bits of advantage from your opponent, and Dark Ritual is kind of taking a step back in that department. Yeah, it's. A, it, I mean, it is. You do need it, I think. Um, yeah, you, when you're going the aggro route, you just need uh, to power it out. But if you're going for more controlling, it's not really the direction you want to take. If you're kind of looking to control the game rather than, you know, end the game quick. Right, it's not like you're getting out, uh, you know, something something like uh, Gristlebrand or Ember Pool. Shallow Grieve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you're not, it's not like you're not doing something powerful enough to end the game right there. So it's probably not worth a card, you know, like you said, a card just to ramp. Yeah, I mean, well, for I mean, uh, that's for example, one of the more recent um, pox lists that top aided in like a big tournament. Um, I'm just looking through it, it is mono black. He's running four dark rituals, um, and. He's got... This has got to be the greatest card I've ever seen in a top 8 box list. Empty the Piss. Oh, I thought about trying that in 10 pins for a while, too. Yeah. So <laughs> was this that card, card is... from, like, M14? No, it was in Cons, I think. Yeah, it was, it was like, oh, Cons. That's right, yeah. So it's, like, four black, X and X. It's an instant, and it has Delve, so you can exile cards from your graveyard, and it costs one less for each card you exile, and you put X, 2-2 black zombies into play tapped. <laughs> and so it's, but it's an instant. It's instant it's speed. An, <laughs> <laughs> and to turn empty the pits for ten. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when I was playing Dark Ritual, I was playing two Nether Voids. So if you have a Thought Seize early, they can't do anything. And turn two, you can Dark Ritual into a Nether Void. I mean, like Delver decks have what six lands that tap for mana. Mm-hmm. They have to get four yeah. of them to cast a one mana spell, and you have wastelands <laughs> and sinkholes. So. It's not. Uh, it's not going well for the Delver player. <laughs> yeah, I think if you want to play Mono Black, you do want to play the four rituals, and I think Nether Void is just brutal. Uh, I mean, this guy's got two Nether Void and an Abyss, but those the Dark Ritual helps you power out those stupid old Legends Enchant worlds. That is gross. <laughs> Very nice. Um, Justin Hockney asked about Cabal Therapy versus No Cabal Therapy in Pox. 
Um, so I think that card is really good in like what Jerry was talking about, the aggro versions of the deck. Uh, if you're playing mm-hmm. like Bloodgasts and or Gravecrawlers or something like that, that card just becomes totally insane. Uh, especially if you play it alongside uh, some number of Inquisitions and or Thought Seizes, because you can see what they have. And if they have two of something, you can just therapy it away and then sack your dude to get another card out of their hand and then just play a land and get your blood gas back. Like, it just seems so brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's where you would want to play it, but I don't know. I've seen a lot of people have fun. Like, if you kind of want to go that route, you want to start sacking dudes to that card, I think you should play The Walking Dead because that deck just, like, crushes box decks and it just seems so much fun. Yeah. And I think with the new set coming out, that deck's getting a boost, right? I was going to say, yeah, yeah. the, uh, what was the Relentless Dead that's coming out? That black, black creature that Is can that recur itself? It says if a zombie enters the battlefield from your graveyard too, right? I think so, yeah. I think it's, is, is, is Bloodgast, Bloodgast is just a vampire, right? Yeah, that's the, it, it okay. seems like it should be a zombie, but it's a no, vampire. Yeah, well, when I saw the other one, I kept thinking of Gravecrawler. Mm-hmm. I like, the one you could catch yep. in the graveyard. I like the new, maybe we'll have, uh, Ara come on and talk some Walking Dead, cause he's been on Walking Dead for about as long as you've been on Pox, right, Dan? Yeah, I mean, he took a break for Jund, I think, but mm-hmm. I think he's back on The Walking Dead. Yeah, I, I like that new, the red enchantment, the enchantment that when the creature dies, it becomes a 3-4 for, like, one red. Um, oh, yeah, so Relentless, the card we are talking about was Relentless Dead. Mm-hmm. It's black-black for a 2-2 creature zombie with menace. Um, when it dies, you can play, you can pay black if you do return it to its owner's hand. Um, or when Relentless Dead dies, you may pay X if you do return another target zombie creature with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah. Even, so. not even just Relentless Dead, there's just, I can't think of them all now, but there's like three or four cards that I could easily see going into Walking Dead with the new set. Mm-hmm. Can that card block yeah. Relentless Dead? Yeah, it can block. That's, yes. Oh, <laughs> that's, man. A, that's a big deal. It does. Yeah, it doesn't have like the, you know, the cannot block clause like every other recurring Zombie does. Yeah. Um, I think I think that one's still too expensive, just because you don't want to keep three black mana up at all time. But eh, maybe with a uh, relentless dead. But I, I definitely think. Well, if you well, no, you only have to keep one black mana up, right? Like you return it to your hand. I guess if you want to recast it in the same turn. Yeah, I mean, if you want to make it into an engine, you need to keep. I see three. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you just want to get that one one time value, then yeah, it, it can die, and then you just don't get it back. Um. So, uh, Will Lorenz also asked, how many Urborgs are you running? Four. Four Urborgs. Um, so I'm running four because I have four Wastelands, and I also have two Dark Depths and two Thespian Sages. Mm-hmm. So um, that you you really do need the four Urborgs, because like, sitting with like a Dark Depths in your hand is not a card unless you have an Urborg, um, or you can combo off, so... Uh, and I think most of the pox lists I've seen, you're going to be running at four. You're 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 almost always running eight colorless lands because you're you're running uh, wastelands or and or or no wastelands and the dark depths thespian stage combo, or you're running um, Mishra's factories. And a lot of your cards cost double black, and it's really important to have that on time. So I think four Urborg is correct, mm-hmm. almost always. Okay. Um, so kind of go into some later questions. Uh, Steven Hendrickson wants to, uh, is wondering which ritual in hymn art is best? 
<laughs> I'm changing. He said, what do you prefer? But we're going to go with best. <laughs> uh, Wolfpack, obviously. Wolfpack. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> that, is, that is definitely the correct answer. <laughs> you need to wear, like, the Three Wolf Moon t-shirt when you go and play boxing. <laughs> <in the event. laughs> uh, oh, that'd be um, great. And art on Ritual, oh, that's tough. I mean, that beta art's pretty great, but I do enjoy the Ice Age art as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's tough. I mean, just for, like, class value, I'm going to have to go beta Rituals. Gotcha. Mm. I mean, mine, mine's definitely Tempest. Love those Tempest Dark Rituals. Yeah, I like the those as Saga. Saga Rituals? Really? Yeah. Which one's the Saga the, one? Is that the, the guy see, like, like eight of them the over here? <laughs> <laughs> Is that the guy who's like got his hand coming out of the crate? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Sissio had one one time that it took me a while to acknowledge what it was, but it was a Japanese version of the saga art. And I like the saga art, but the if I could, and I know I could find it, but the um, there's what the hell was that from the Vault Twenty? I like that artwork, non foil, but really those none are, of them. Those are the ones I'm running. I think you can get those as part of. Uh, they were like a... Oh, they are part of Plane Chase, if you like the non-foil from the vault ones. Well, the other one, you know what? There's, there's something else, too. I should see if I can find. I don't know if I ever... You probably have never seen the... Uh, I made a altered proxy version of... Uh, <laughs> that looks ridiculous. But I'm not going to find that right off the top of my head. So that was not in any actual set. Um, so, oh, also, that from the vault art was originally from Battle Royale and Beatdown, if you wanted the white, yeah. white border versions. Okay. The Battle Royale box, I, I have that, I still have the deck somewhere. Yep. Uh, ooh, Deckmasters is cool, it was just never in black border, but it's the, uh, wizard at Stonehenge making a sacrifice. Nice. So that's a cool one. There's a, there's a lot of dark ritual arts out there. Yeah, I think Dan's got, uh... Probably one of the best bets, though, with the original where it says add three, and it actually says three. Oh, yeah, just alpha and beta. Oh, Add three black mana to your mana pool. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I do like that. Oh, oh also, I lied. That Stonehenge art actually was an Ice Age black border, so that's pretty cool. All right, so it's too, it's too bad none of the listeners can see this, but you guys see that artwork for Dark Ritual, right? I just popped it in the chat. <laughs> From Pinterest. Adrian, I didn't know you were a Pinterest guy. Woohoo. Gotta love that Pinterest. Um, you gotta love that artwork. <laughs> How to make a dark ritual in 10 easy steps by Martha Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is sick art, though. Uh, that was really good. Yep, yeah, this is great radio, guys. Yep. Solid. <laughs> make sure to pin it. You gotta pin it. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. Pat's gonna put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah I got it. I got you. There um, you go. Uh, let's do. Let's do, we. I think we have one more in here. That's a pretty good one. Um, Justin asked about uh, common mistakes new players make with the deck. Yeah, that's. Uh, um, common mistakes to make with the deck. Making the wrong decision on what type of resource to attack, for sure. Um, like firing off a premature smallpox just to get like a land and a card out of their hand, for example. Uh, when they can just follow up with a land and a creature. Um, that is tough. Let's see. Forgetting to activate your curse scroll. <laughs> Definitely. Or forgetting... Oh, so if you're going to play... I, I used to play one nether spirit. Uh, forgetting to bring that guy back from the graveyard is huge. Because if you're going to play that card, you really need to remember to bring it back every turn. 
I have definitely made that mistake. Um, knowing what to wasteland against lands, I think, is very important um, to break up the Dark Depths combo and get max value. Because uh, I know lands has picked up a lot of popularity in the last couple of years. That deck is gross. Um, so, let's see, for example... Yeah, so if they go for a Dark Depths combo, right... Um, you want to let the legend rule resolve, then with the trigger on the stack, waste the thespian stage, um, because they can't sack it and make merit Lage, and you get both lands, whereas if they go to copy the dark depths and you waste the dark depths, then they still have their thespian stage in play. So that's key. Um, knowing what's a keepable hand if you're playing mono black can be tough. Um, the deck tends to run a lot of lands, so, I mean, looking at a hand that's got like, a Thoughtseize and a, you know, an Innocent Blood and four or five lands, like, that's tough. If one of those is a Smallpox, that makes it real tough, right? Do you want to keep a five lander, but Smallpox can do so much work? I think evaluating some of those hands can be really difficult, especially because, you know, um, in some of those old school mono black versions, you're not going to be able to have any way to decide what you're picking off the top of your deck. Dan, Dan, can you go back a second? Explain that yep. again. Uh, wastelanding, making sure you know which land to wasteland. The Dark Depths versus the Thespian stage. Oh, yeah. So when, so the combo is that Dark Depths comes into play with 10 ice counters on it. Yep. And it says, if it has no ice counters on it, sacrifice it. Right. If you do, put Merit Lage into play. Yep. So Thespian Stage, you pay two and activate it to copy the Dark Depths. Yep. You can waste the Dark Depths in response, and then the Thespian Stage has no legal targets, and so it won't become Dark Depths and the combo won't happen. Okay. All right, because it needs, you, it, needs, uh, it needs the Dark Depths to be in play when its trigger resolves, when its ability resolves. Exactly. But okay. if you let that resolve, and you say, okay, it's a Dark Depths, now there's a Legend rule. Mm-hmm. They sacrifice the actual Dark Depths to the Legend Rule. Now there's a trigger on the Thespian stage to sacrifice. Okay. If they sa- if you let them sacrifice it, they'll get Merit Lage. But if, in response to that trigger, you wasteland the stage, they can't sacrifice it, and then Merit Lage does not happen, and you've gotten both of the lands. Right. So the, so the Legend Rule resolves, the Dark Depths goes away, and then what's on the stack now? So there's a trigger on the stack because the the Thespian stage has now become a Dark Depths with no ice counters on it. So there's okay. a trigger to sacrifice it, and if okay. you sacrifice it, put a Merit Lage token into play. Okay, so with, with that the trigger, trigger on the stack, stack with the ability to sacrifice it, you waste it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, it's, we, I just was... Um, must have been a... Yeah, it wasn't last weekend. So it must have been the weekend before, but that actually came up with a Lance player... And uh, he 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 gave it a minute while the judge was trying to explain it, and then he just explained it. But it happened so quick, I lost it. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I actually <laughs> gained. As somebody who plays wasteland, that's actually like that's actually uh, relevant. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I wanted to make sure I actually uh, got a little bit deeper into that explanation. So thank you. You're very nice. welcome. Um, so I didn't see any more questions on the Facebook page. Uh, um, we we have to say this one because otherwise I'm going to get accused of uh, uh, you know editing editing the questions. Brent 
Brent, Lee, you're never going to get accused of editing shit in this podcast. Right? <laughs> uh, Brent Gilmore would like you to tell a couple Jerry is the worst slash luckiest magic player of all time stories. Um, Jerry is the worst, luckiest magic player of all time <laughs> stories. Um, God, what are some bad ones? <laughs> Thanks. So there is a list. <laughs> this list does exist. Um, yeah, so here's like a joke one, right? So Jerry, Jerry's super bad because he can never flip a goddamn Delver. So for those of you that watch Jerry versus Dave Shields and the top eight of, wow, what was it? Star City. It's actually Worcester. Worcester? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, Jerry just fucked up and didn't flip a Delver for, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, 12 turns and lost bad. the game. Real bad. I just, yeah, I, I tried hard to flip the Delver, but I'm, I'm just pretty bad, so I can't. <laughs> um, let's see. I've seen you keep, uh, so you were playing Sneak and Show, and I don't know why you were playing Sneak and Show, because this was the Omnitel days mm-hmm. with, like, Treasure Cruise dig-through time. Um, where Amito was just nuts. <laughs> Amito was just playing better, but I said fuck it. <laughs> yeah, and you post board kept in your show and tell. <laughs> so you went turn to show and tell against Amito, knowing full well he's playing Amito. He's just like, you motherfucker. Why would you ever do that? And he didn't have it, and yep. you ever <laughs> I won. That's why. Oh. <laughs> I believe I screamed wild card in his face as I. I think <laughs> you did. Yeah, I mean, you windmill slammed that. You're like, well, it's the wild, wild west, bitch. Bam. <laughs> wild card. Show and tell. No, 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 Gataxian pro. Nope. But it just, that's no, nope, no pro. Blind show and tell. Blind show and tell against Omni Show. <laughs> uh. Oh my god, there are just way too many times like that, where you just keep absurd sketchball hands, and you know, you ask you, like, why did you ever keep that hand? And you're like, well, if I draw Jace off the top, this hand is amazing, and it's the next card on top of your deck, and you're like, definitely cheating somehow. Yeah, I, like, we've gotten that before, like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm so lucky to the point that I'm afraid of being accused of cheating sometime, just because I'll say out loud, it's like, oh, it'll be great if I draw this card, and then immediately draw it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching LSB stream on Magic Online. <laughs> all his top decks. Like, oh, that was a good one. Uh, so, uh, does that wrap it up for all the questions? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, uh, Dan, do you have like a, a Twitter that people can reach you at if they have more questions for you? They want to uh, get in touch with you? Oh, no, I do not do the Twitter. But they can tweet at you, and, uh... I am not being your your press agent. All right, I'll I'll, I'll make up a Twitter... Let's make a Twitter account right now. How do you do this? Twitter. In all seriousness, if people want to either tweet at us or uh, ask questions on the Facebook page, we'll make sure Dan gets them. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. If you have, like, a handy link um, for uh, maybe your deck list, if people want to take a closer look at it or... Kind of look it over while we're doing the cast. You're welcome to send that to me or or Adrian, and we can add that to the show notes as well if you want to share it. You can post it up sure. on the uh, the Facebook page as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, I'll and also, and, if, if and if anybody out there has a Jerry is a terrible magic player story, you can share. Oh my god, <laughs> share, share away, share away. <laughs> 
I think Brent has like 400 million, Jerry. You're the worst. <laughs> Mostly because he's on the receiving end of it. <laughs> like, I don't know why. What was it? Like, the last tournament that I was at with both of you guys, right? Like, Brent and I weren't doing that great, so we were kind of just chilling watching you play. And you kept, like, a one-lander. And what were you playing? Like, aggro loam? Uh, yes. You must have been playing aggro loam. Or you had, like, a land and a mox opal and a chalice. But that's it. You only had the one land. And then, like... Uh, mox, the mox diamond, you mean? Or mox diamond, sorry. Yeah, mox yep. diamond. And you were on the draw. And so, like, if the top card of your deck is a land, it's nuts. Right? Because you get to go turn one chalice. And if it's not, it's just, like, you lose the game on the spot. <laughs> and, of course, you drew the land... And then you drew another land and cast a freaking Knight of the Rail <laughs> <laughs> Uh Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That sounds like me. <laughs> the actual best. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, well, so for the first time in a long time, all three of us played in a Legacy event this week. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, in the same place, too. Yeah, all together. All together. You guys all went to Acton? Yeah, where were you? Nice, I don't don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Must have been getting drunk Friday night. Yeah. Um, No, I actually, I've been there once. I enjoyed it. I did well. I got, I don't know, I think I got like third place. Um, The meta there is uh, very interesting. Yeah, you can say that again. (laughs) Um, I think I lucked out because the, uh, like, Goblin Stompy guy wasn't playing. He was playing okay. like, some sort of, like, draft event or something. So I was like, oh, I scooped to a turn on Blood Moon, pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, funny story about that. I actually played him uh, on Friday. And he had uh, the turn one Blood Moon. I had a Deathrite Shaman out. And there was one Fetchland in the graveyard. So it was my only source of colored mana. And I cast Bloodbraid Elf using the Deathrite Shaman to get the only source of colored mana. And the first card I flip is just Abrupt Decay. You're the one. <laughs> Killing Blood Moon. <laughs> like, like I literally, I couldn't even cast the Abrupt Decay because I didn't have access to the second color mana. It literally had to be hit off the Bloodbraid Elf, and I hit it. And <laughs> That's sick. That is sick. So I ended up winning that one. That that matches, yeah, I'm the, I was playing the uh, Guided Passage deck, and... That that should be. I I literally sat down. I'm like, oh, you're probably gonna win. I think the odds are like eighty to twenty in your yeah. favor. And I somehow managed to sneak it out using dirty tricks. I'm sure you love hearing you say like, yeah, like eighty percent in your favor. Just crush them. Like, don't say stuff like that, Jerry. <laughs> Zach, Zach's a good guy. He 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 was laughing about it. No no, he's. I, I played him. He was actually the first time I we went to Acton to play. Um, I think it was on Grixis Delver. I played him first round, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> it was like, like turn one chalice on one, turn two blood moon. I'm like, "All right, so we'll just move to game two, I guess." It was, uh, <laughs> we're rough. We're rough. Oh boy. Um, I think how did your outing go, Jerry? This this past week. Um, so I went two one one. So I beat the Goblin Stompy deck. Uh, I beat Reanimator by the skin of my t- teeth. Um, I lost to Infect. I think as someone else was it you, Adrian, or you, Pat, that also lost to the same Infect player. He he ended uh, he, he lost to him. Yeah, he ended up winning the whole event. But uh, oh, did he? Yeah, he. I had really great hand against him, and he just had the god hand. Like I had 
Punishing Fire with double force of will backup, and it just still was not good enough for it to beat him. He just mm. he had all the answers and and killed just killed me. I actually kind of had a um, kind of a level up moment playing that Infect player though. Um, so kind of like the traditional school of magic thought is you save your removal till the last possible minute. Um, because, you know, that, that way you get maximum information, you get maximum decision time, you, you, you get to choose when you cast the removal, you know, try and, try and catch them out like they try and pump it up and then you kill them in response. So that's how I was playing. And, you know, it's his turn, he swings into attack and I go to punishing fire. And then he invigorates in response and I force right. a will and then he force a wills back. Mm-hmm. And... I end up dying because now the Invigorate, you know, it gave it plus four, plus four to survive the Punishing Fire, but it also gives him plus four, plus four as he's swinging at my face. Whereas if I had just done it on my main, or, you know, before his turn, it's, you know, theoretically the worst choice because I'm playing my removal early, he can still draw out of it, but in reality, that's the better choice because his his protection is the same as his win, win pieces. So it just makes them blow it as protection and not get the double benefit out of it. Yeah, against Infect, definitely burn. If you, if you have, like, damage-based removal or dismember, you want to burn it uh, before they can go into combat. Yeah, so learn that lesson. Without the ability to combat the rest of the turn. With Invigorate on the stack anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, he. I think he had, like, Invigorate, Invigorate, Force of Will to yeah. uh, just ruin my day. Yeah. Um, so I lost to him, and then probably the highlight of the match was my last match was a draw. I actually ended up uh, sco- oh. scooping to him, but that was a good one. <laughs> it was it was against Miracles, and I can check off my bucket list. I killed him using nothing but Punishing Fire. <laughs> I dealt <laughs> <That> was terrible. <laughs> I I dealt like forty four damage with with Punishing Fire. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, gain one, lose two, gain one, lose two. Yeah, because <laughs> like we we just got into top deck and I had like eight mana out and I'm just like, all right, into your turn. Uh, buy back, punishing fire, cast it. Buy back, punishing fire, cast it. <laughs> you just kept top decking lands too. That was the yeah, worst part. Was just I was not... wondering if he just kept trying to float a two drop just to counter it. Oh, he kept he kept trying to float a two drop and then I would like get a timely abrupt decay. Um, oh, but okay. you know, as I'm wont to do, but. He just kept answering all my creatures, and so I my only out was the Punishing Fire, and he just could not get a two drop to stick on top of his library. Mm. He was fetching, he was fetching and, and uh, topping and fetching and topping, and just couldn't get it. It, yeah. was, I, it I, was an interesting game. I killed two Jaces in that game, <laughs> so like two Jaces and twenty life life points with nothing mm. but Punishing Fire. <laughs> It was a it was a slug fest. Yeah, it was interesting. So I should say like a slog fest. It was more like a slog. Yeah. Fest. Needless to say that uh, that game went to time, and I ended up uh, just giving him it. Mm. Uh, what about you guys? How was your your uh, tournament? Uh, I did not fare as well as you did. Um, I ended up going one three. I've had some pretty close rounds. I really should have been two two. Um, first round I was playing against a reanimator deck. Um, and games two and three, I was just able to hit Grafticker's Cage on turn one, uh, with Force of Will back up. So it was like, you know, it was just over from there. Um, I played Lands, um, in the second round. I was playing against our buddy, uh, uh, what the hell's his name? Blake. Plays on a T a lot. Caleb. Blake. Caleb. Blake. Blake, yeah. Oh, Blake. Blake, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, nice kid. Um, I lost in three games to that, um, but I actually got the chance to kind of talk with him. 
about the, the lands deck and sort of I I think in game two or three I sna- like I had surgical and snapcaster hand and I was able to surgical exploration and then I surgical I think dark depths <laughs> um, but I probably like life in the loam was obviously a better target and I should have I should have waited to be able to surgical that but I was just or, so excited um, to play with to like snap back the the surgical extraction. You can get punishing fire too, right? If you if you hit like a dark depths and a punishing fire, can they win the game? I don't think. I mean, unless, I don't think they can win unless they're winning like running something spicy like a titania or something like that. I don't think they have. Where harvest one of baby sixty first card. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think that was um, another question we we glossed over, but why is Worm Harvest the sixty first card in Pox? <laughs> yeah. No. We no. We we you were uh, you were on your. No, we oh, talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it. Okay, that. good. I just, I was, I was not paying attention. <laughs> um, I lost round three to Burn in two games. I just had a very hard, I, I haven't faced a Burn matchup with Blue Red Delver, so that was a little, that was a little difficult. Um, just kind of have to sideboard better, I think, against that deck. And then round four, I was playing, um, I played against Death and Taxes, and I actually lost, uh, game one. I won game two, and in game three, I actually had like a turn two null rod. I went like turn one pithing needle, uh, naming mom, turn two null rod, and we were pretty deep in the game. We we're you know kind of ex- exchanging back and forth, and he got a jit out, and I didn't even think about null rod. He equipped the jit to mom, and then just started swinging with with it and blasting my uh, blasting my <laughs> empire. <laughs> Like, the null and so, so we're like, all right, <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah, whatever. That we pack. Work. No, yeah, exactly. So we pack <laughs> oh, it, it actually up. Does. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so it's we, like we people it people play Chalice of Void and they they just let one drops resolve all day oh, long. Oh, no, you yeah, have to remember that with a null rod. So like, you can't like activate a jit and be like, oh, the ability's counter. You can't like, even right. equip it. You can't even. Yeah, you can't equip it. You yeah. can't do it. However, yeah. however, Pat, you know when he equipped the jit, you could have just chained lightning to response with it on the stack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we're packing up, and he, and then he's like, you know, he, we were signing the slip, and he's like, actually, he's like, I shouldn't have been able to win that game, and he, he, he's like, you had no rod out, and I'm like, son of a bitch. So he actually offered to concede to me, um, but before we had started, he was like, oh, you know, I'm, right now I'm just playing for. Planeswalker points is like I need another couple wins to get like my my second buy or whatever. So I'm like I just gave him the win because I'm like you know what it's fine I fucked up like you need the points I I really didn't care at that point so um should I should have probably won that game but uh, it was a good lesson learned um so you know next time I get my one of sideboard card and I get the chance to play it yeah, out I should probably make sure that I should probably make sure it does what it's supposed to do you know I so. I, I love bringing in no Rod against Stoneforge Mystic decks. Yeah, it's it's just super good. I mean, like I had like the, the I run like two Pithing Needle and one Null Rod on the sideboard, and I sideboarded in all three against that deck because it's just it's just very good, you know. So, uh, but yeah, it was a good night. I I really like going to to gaming, etc. Even though the meta is a little bit wonky, um, I, I feel like at TE you get a much better cross section of the legacy meta game, like the competitive legacy meta game, versus at gaming, etc. There's a little bit it's the yeah, wild, some, it's the wild wild west. <laughs> yeah, like I played against it's like super uh, wild west. Yeah, I, pl- I I think the last time I was there, like I played against uh that kid playing the the goblins deck, mm-hmm. and then I I played like a what the hell was it? It was like a maverick deck, but it was like mini. I think you called it mini maverick. It was it was really weird. Like it wasn't yeah it was it was unusual, but um it's a great store to go to. I I really like it. You know it's nice. 
So there are like three or four people playing Tin Fins. There's like Dragon Stompy. Yeah. Someone's playing Doomsday. You're just like, what's this happening right now? I remember you got, some idiot, you got some idiot on guided passage. Like, <laughs> these decks. I'm not worried about that, Jerry. How did that deck do against Pox? It was pretty good, right? Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> it was okay. Uh, I remember taking Shardless Bug to uh, Acton once, and yeah. I just like I'm sitting at the bottom tables, and like the like the four worst performing players at the at the, ta- at the entire event. Are all Charlotte Bug players playing against each other at the bottom two tables? Because turn one Blood Moon. That's the thing about that meta. It's a wonky meta, but it just wrecks the Delver decks. Like Delver decks get hated out pretty hard at that meta. Yeah, I feel like, and that's, like I mean, normal meta decks get hated out at that place. <laughs> yeah, it was like there was like one guy on Miracles because there was something there that he couldn't possibly beat. Hmm. Yeah, it's it kind of turned everyone. Everyone kind of hated out. I feel it's similar to the, what the Tusk Vision guys were talking about, how, you know, the community just got so inbred, they just almost decided, like, yeah, we don't really feel like playing against Rug Delver all day, so we're just going to hate it out. And everyone kind of collectively just built decks that just wreck the regular metagame decks, and now it's almost their own, like, incestuous second meta. <laughs> but it's pretty awesome. I mean, you yeah. get to see some decks there that you just never get to see anywhere else. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. It's- Amazing. Aaron, Aaron and Cater there always with, you know, new brews like White Red Stacks and Eldrazi Tron. Aaron's <laughs> another Pox guy. I love his, his Pox brews. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he goes out on some, some awesome limbs with that deck. Yeah. He also is, uh, you know, the, probably the New England authority on Chains of Mephistopheles. <laughs> yeah. Whenever a rules question comes up involving Chains of Mephistopheles, I call Aaron, not the judge. Because yeah. th- there's a good chance the judge might get it wrong. <laughs> but I know Aaron will get it right. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking I didn't play anything awkward. Yeah, how'd, oh, how'd, your, how'd your event go, Adrian? Sorry, I, I got to dust off. I, I got to dust off uh, Burning Fins. So that was fucking awesome. I put together um, Ben Petrino's list. And actually, yeah, I ended up like... Uh, picking up the rest of the cards for that as soon as I got out there and nice. had it sleeved up and hadn't played it in uh, almost a year probably and I'm like alright well let's fucking sit down and, and you know th- there's a few things that have changed um, like uh, round one I ended up playing against Infect uh, I, I win game one game two I keep I think I mulled and kept no land, and I think I stayed at five and forgot to scry. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and I just drew no land. And then uh, game three, I only had an island, and it's you can't cast a dark ritual on that. So it was that was rough, but it was it was cool. It was cool. All the guys I played were really fucking cool. But then um, nice. and then and then game two, I played against uh, round two. I played against Ant, and uh, they're just not as fast. As like burning fins, um, so I comboed out uh, both times, kind of. And and the kid next to me was playing Reanimator, and he started noticing I was playing Grizzlebrand and like LED and shit. <laughs> and and he's like, "Oh, we should compare notes afterwards." And like I, I you know, I go through both rounds, and it turns out uh, he's like, "Oh, the, um, what did he say? Something about uh, you know, oh, there's there's a guy that does a." a stream on Twitch with a deck like this. And I'm like, yeah, that's uh, 
pomegranate. That's this is his list. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was, uh, go ahead. What were you gonna say, Pat? Oh, I was just say that was the uh, that was Luke. That was the player I played against in the first round on Reanimator. Oh, the, yeah, he had like Chancellor of the Annex. He was doing like a odd, little different Reanimator there. Well, yeah, he was running like he had like Children of Corliss in there. That's why I was asking him like if it was the normal because I didn't like I said I hadn't seen Children of Corliss in most Reanimator decks, but no, um, it's not. Yeah, he's a nice kid, and he, uh, I think he won the, um, I don't know, whatever they got, the Savannah, or... No, one of his friends won, won a Scrubland. Yeah, yeah. I, what, it wasn't him, I thought he won no, the Scrubland. No, but... it was a kid, Luke. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what I just said, Luke. Oh. They they were they were both on Tin Fins. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> they, okay. Yeah, those two guys are friends, and they both have been on Tin Fins for, like, the last gotcha. six months. Well, it might be something like it, but it doesn't, it didn't seem like Yeah, it's, they, they run, like, a black-red version. Um, okay. They kind of run a budget tin fins list. Right, right. And then I played against. Uh, then I played against Pat. Uh, so his name was Pat Brady. That's the kid that was playing the monastery. <laughs> oh, not, not actual Pat. <laughs> no, no, no. That's the kid that was playing the monastery miracles. Yep. And uh, he was really fucking cool. I sat down with him, and you know we shuffle up, and I I forget what the hell I said to him. Um. Oh shit! I don't even. I think I might have. I said something to him. and He goes. Oh yeah, I listen to the cast. I'm like, oh, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> like, sorry, man, you know. And uh, now I'm gonna crush I'm, you. I'm thinking like, well, no, I'm, sitting, I'm just sitting there like, okay, uh, I'm hearing a sweatshirt. How would like I? This is audio. Like, how would you recognize besides the fact that my voice sounds like shit and I have a? Thick, your, you have a very distinct voice. You think so? Easy. Yeah. Well, somebody yeah. Said, somebody did say that they like walked by me at an SCG and and they're like, oh hey, I love the cast. I'm like, oh, no shit. So I mean, like, it just. That was that was kind of that was kind of funny and surprising. I'm asking him, you know, I guess he listens to it uh, back and forth on his way. To, um, it sounded like I'm, I'm figuring he must have a long ride if he listens to it like at work. Like I listen, you know, sometimes I listen to casts at work, but I have like a I have a job where I can stick an earbud in my ear and not really take too much grief over it. But um, but yeah, so I got to play him and and it was it was funny because um, he won it anyway. I ended up going two and two, yeah, because I lost to Infect and I lost to Pat. Um, it was funny though because he went turn one, uh, played a land and played a top in, in game one, and then so I figure I don't know maybe I got to worry about Force of Willer days, and so I played uh, I think a land and like a taxi and probed. He had no permission, so I'm like, all right, then he's got a top and I see a counterbalance in hand, two ponders. Another top and a scalding turn. I'm like, all right, I better fucking do something quick because next turn he's going to land down that counterbalance and I'm fucking locked, you know? So I'm like, so I start trying to gun it. And, you know, I had already probed him like Lion's Eye Diamond, um, Dark Ritual, and I think I entomb and then went to Shallow Grave. And he's like, uh, with that on the stack, I'll tap to draw a card. I'm like, oh, Fick, he could actually have Force of Will on top of the deck and <laughs> just like shut me down. <laughs> So like, but it was awesome. Um, it, he didn't have force of will. I ended up being able to combo out, and then he killed me the next two games. And uh, but he he was really cool to play with too. Um, I think I ended up having a fight around both surgical and sorts of plushes. And, and like, and even against the infect player, I think it was like game two or something. Um, I think I saw his hand. And he played a Caracas. Was that it? Yeah, he played a Caracas. And I'm like, so the next game, I'm like, all right, no big deal. I can I can deal with a Caracas. I'm not worried about a Caracas. And uh, when I went to combo out, he crop rotated into a Bajuka bog, <laughs> which uh, I, I I was hoping he was going to crop rotate into a Caracas, but he got me too. And then um, 
the last round was really cool. I, I played against this kid, and I remember his name was Will. Uh, God, <coughs> and like, it was, it was like he he was really, um, yeah, he was just a stand up kid, man. Uh, it was really good to play with him. It was probably the most. In, the, we both, I think it was probably the most enjoyable game we both had all night. I don't know, he was saying it too, but, uh, he was telling, he was, he was playing Esper, and, um, I ended up having a fight around all sorts of stuff, but, yeah, it was a really, it was a really good time, and all the guys I played with were really, really cool, and it was really good to kind of shake off some Grizzle Brand dust. So nice. Brand. Nice. is that what the kids are calling it these days? That's, yeah, that's the, yeah. Brand dust. That's the hot new when, drug on the street. Yeah, it's kind of like candy flipping. <laughs> a little but bit. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it has uh, less of an after effect. Uh, that's good. And that's that's probably an upgrade, I would say. It is. <laughs> um, well, it, do, it, it does cost more. It costs more. It costs, it costs, costs more costs about eight. Eight mana at your local. Street <laughs> oh my god, dude! I did end up doing that. I was uh, you, you hard cast Grizzlebrand. <laughs> oh my god, a number of times. And I was actually. <laughs> I, was, uh, I, I think I had to hard cast Grizzlebrand against um, against Pat also who was playing Miracles. I'm like, you know, I'm about to hard cast him. Are you floating an eight drop? And then it dawned on me he could actually float a Terminus. <laughs> like, damn. Uh, isn't Terminus six? Is it? Yeah. I thought it was six and two. The only eight drop Miracles had was uh, Dig Through Time back in the day. Oh okay, all right. So yeah, he wasn't gonna float an eight drop anyway. But <laughs> I, I, but yeah, I got to the point where I had to hard cast Grizzlebrand, and I think I, I think I did it in a couple of separate games. Uh, he may have been one of them. It was just funny. Me and him had, had we just had. Oh, it was so it was so funny the games that we were having because he was playing miracles, but he didn't have me. He never really had me top locked. Like I think it it might have been close, but it's it's kind of it's kind of hard. Either I'm running a fast game or I'm not. You know. But it was really cool. It was really good games. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So speaking of upcoming events, too, uh, I guess Wormwood just announced they're doing another event. You guys thinking about going to that? Uh, it's on the 9th. I'm, I'm supposed to close that night, so um, I may try to wiggle out of work, but chances are I won't be able to, but I'm going to try. If you need me to like call in a bomb threat, just you know, let me know. Just let me know. No, I don't want to do that. Man, I'm kinda <laughs> like, I kinda like run also, NSA, 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 that was a joke. <laughs> I would like to clarify. We'll, we'll cut that. We'll cut that out. But also, they're listening to the call anyway. So. I promise I will refrain from saying Jerry me and Dirty Bomb. <laughs> What's the entry for that? Uh, it is thirty-five dollars in Scholars Bookstore in Bridgewater on April 9th. Prizes look pretty sweet. So first place is a uh, foreign black border tundra. In that sick ass deck box. Yeah, sweet handcrafted wood deck box with GPS tracking. Um, I'm sorry. What? Yeah, yeah. This is really cool. Sold. Yeah. Sold down. So they they were like I I talked to him at the last event. Um, it's a startup business that um this guy Eric started. Apparently he's been in the legacy scene for a long time, so he's pretty well known. Started Wormwood, uh, quality gaming supplies, and they make these handcrafted deck boxes out of different types of wood. You know they have you know everything. You know, cherry from, you know, your basics to more exotic. Like, they had, like, a zebra wood deck box that looked really cool. Um, but their whole thing is hidden inside the, the wood inlaid in it is a GPS tracker. And so you can get an app on your phone uh, that lets you, uh, you know, just open up the app and it'll tell you where it'll... Uh, uh, you know, tell you where your deck box is, and also you can activate it, and it'll sound a uh, kind of an alarm 
to give you kind of a nice. proximity. So it'll like if someone steals your deck box and puts it in their bag, you can hit the alarm and then you know, oh that guy his backpack's ringing. Let's go see what he's doing. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Uh, completely unrelated, this episode of uh, Leave Living Legacy is brought to you by Warmworth Media. <laughs> we got zero sponsorship money. I just actually really like their product. Um, and oh, that's pretty sweet. That's a cool innovation for uh, for legacy players. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, the amount of money we put into our decks, you know, you can afford to spend a little money to protect it. And that goes yeah. beyond just, like, the case it's in. And then also, they have this sweet thing they're doing as a door prize. Uh, let me send it to you guys. They have uh, an actual, genuine leather playmat that looks really nice. cool. Um, so I think that would be pretty nice to have. I wonder if they're going to have it for sale because it looks like I, they're just... I think that's like... Yeah, I'm, I don't know. But uh, it just looks really nice and classy, just like a uh, worn leather, uh, just like really soft-looking... Uh, hmm. look. There's one thing Jerry's into. It's being real classy. Yeah, being real... I thought you were going to say wrapped classy. in leather. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, yeah, I like the design on that. That's pretty sick. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the rest of the top eight is you know dual lands and other you know foreign black border sylvan libraries, spade of sinkholes, force of wills. So paying out the top sixteen with all legacy staples. So I went to the last event. It was pretty solid. Uh, they said they're actually adding more room to this event, and that was kind of my only complaint yep. is that you kind of felt a bit uh, crowded. But if they're adding more room, I think th- these events are really cool uh, to go to. I like starting at 11 a.m. Yeah, yeah, I like how they have Let a. Let you sleep uh, in. I was thinking maybe I could go with my son, but he's been like, lately out 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, all right, buddy, time for bed. He heads to bed, and like he won't wake up until 2 o'clock in the afternoon unless I wake him up. <laughs> oh, remember when you were young and you could just fucking sleep for an hour? Oh, God. Dude, I can oh, I get, that. I get fucking <laughs> Oh, I wake up for work I, every day. I'm like, why the fuck am I up so early? <laughs> I, I, I try to sleep in on the weekend. I wake up at 7 a.m. I got to get up at 7 a.m. during the or I got to be to work at 7 a.m. during the week, and I'm like, fucking wake up at 9. Yeah, my kids don't let me sleep past, like, 7 ever, so. They'll let so. you, and eventually you just won't be able to. You're <laughs> I'll fuck up with it. Yeah. At age. I do like how they have, like, an overhead picture of the shop. And then also where you can get pizza and where you can get coffee and sandwiches and parking. <laughs> yeah, yeah too. that's pretty. That's pretty cool. No, I, I I missed going up to the uh, the last one, so we all try to hit up this one. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, quality event. And then next weekend, the weekend after, I think on the sixteenth is a GPT. Um, I can't remember where it is, but it's for Columbus, so I'm definitely gonna be hitting that up. I already oh. have that day off, so yeah, we gotta go there. Is that on the uh, list? Yeah. Uh, if it's not, I'll send you the info today. Yeah, because I don't know. I, I think it's at Gaming Etc. actually. Oh, look at that. Well, there's, let's see, there's ANC, oh, that's in Ontario. <laughs> not going to the one in Ontario. Uh, oh, okay. So I was, just, I was just trying to think of what that Blood Moon deck must do to burn, but then I just realized, hey, he plays Chalice at one. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Chalice and Trinisphere. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Pat, send me that info because it's not on the list of events. So, oh, Gaming Etc. is having a GPT? Yes, they are. Nice. Um, somebody was asking, up somebody the thought events. there was a GPT or something going on at TE. There, no, uh, TE and Fitchburg, they're doing a, they are doing a GPT, but it's standard, I think. Okay. Or no, it's not a GPT, what, um... A PPTQ, maybe? An RPTQ, yeah, whatever the hell the fuck it is. No, yeah, it's a PPTQ, yeah. 
Mm. Nice. Well, I'm that's the event. I'm pretty excited for the GP because that's getting closer and closer. We're like yeah. So there's actually we gotta uh, figure out our own situation. Yeah, Dan, are, are you gonna yeah. come? Are you gonna come to uh, the GP? Oh man, uh, when is that? It's June June tenth. June tenth. Ten, eleven, and twelve. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. In Ohio. Yep, Columbus. Which that is. sounds. I gotta check because I know I'm going to Europe in June. I think it's a like right after that. So perfect. Might be the next week. Um, yeah, get back from Europe and go to scenic Ohio, and you know, see which ones. Get back from Ohio, go to Europe. <laughs> yeah, we're to Europe. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think towards the latter half of June, so that sounds fine. Um, how like are we gonna drive? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'll be rent. I'll be renting a car. I think Jerry's gonna go with me. If you wanna, if you wanna come with, you're welcome to it, man. Yeah, it sounds good. How much time do I have to take off work? Uh, I th- what do you want to do? Head out Friday, Jerry? Yeah. So, is there any? Uh, is there an event on Friday? Or there's always stuff going on. But, but it's like, not. It's not the main event, though. No, no, no. The main event is Saturday. Um, I mean, I'm currently unemployed, so I don't know what my work situation is going to be like at the time, but, I mean... <laughs> if, if it's the way it is now... <laughs> yeah, way it is now. I don't have no to worries. take any time. I'm free. Um, <laughs> we'll leave on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah, we can either leave Friday or Thursday night, um, whatever. Okay, so I'll take does. off, like, Friday, Monday? Yeah, Dave, I mean, yeah. I'm sure if you take off Friday, Monday, that would be perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. probably... Leave Thursday night, get back Monday morning, ideally. Yeah, I think that would probably be the best thing. I'm I'm fine with driving through the night if you are. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I did that. I went to uh, I've been out to uh, not Columbus, but I've been out to Cleveland a few times, and I drove both both times, and it's like it's a little shorter of a trip. It's only like nine hours getting out to Columbus is like twelve, but oh that's fine. I actually just drove down to Washington D.C. by myself for the weekend. I just didn't, yeah. didn't have anything to do, so I just decided to visit some friends down there. So, Must be nice. Yeah, just yeah, it's nice not, not having any responsibilities or you know yeah, man. anything to hold me back. I'm a I'm a free man. It's it's great. <laughs> but yeah, my my um, my parents trained me from a young age because uh, we used to drive. We used to go to Florida every year for vacation. But my dad's claustrophobic, so he can't fly. So we drove uh, to Florida every year for ten years. <laughs> Jesus. So I am fine That's with driving. <laughs> I, I used to do the the UVM. That's like what three and a half, four hours. But like, drive home, pick something up, drive back. So I'm down for like an eight hour drive. Yeah, yeah, it won't be bad. Yeah, eight hours. Um, is all right. Bad. No, no, it'll be a good. It'll be a good trip out. I think it'll be a great weekend for Legacy. So, plus it's also the it coincides with the release of Eternal Masters. Yeah. So that's kind of that, like, that's kind of why I want to be there for Friday, so we can just draft the hell out of Eternal Masters yeah, on Friday. We should just get a couple boxes and just. I, I know there'll be listeners out there too, so it'll be just good, just be a good time. Get together. With Ooh, maybe that'll that'll be my stretch goal. I'll try and finish the cube by uh, mm. the GP. I actually nice. I ordered today a cube box from this guy on Etsy who makes custom like magic holders, uh, and it's like this. It almost kind of looks like a poker. You know those stainless steel poker chip boxes. Mm-hmm. It uh, it's kind of that same material and it can hold uh, a thousand cards. So nice. figure that'd be perfect for the cube. Awesome. Sweet. Shout out to Pinterest and Etsy this cast. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. Yeah, let's get that let's get that unicorn investing money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh do you guys want to get into some scoops into top t- top eight? Yeah. It's a little bit late. Yeah, let's do that. 
All right, um, I'll go first. I'll, I'm going to scoop in you, uh, Dan. Thanks for coming on, man. Much appreciated. It was good to talk Pox with you. Oh, thank you, guys. Of course. Um, and I'm going to scoop in gaming, etc., for having an awesome shop and clean bathrooms with actual like bathroom stalls, which is pretty great. And I'm sick of going to game stores that have like a, like a one seater. Like, I've been like, to gas stations in the south with better restrooms than the yes. <laughs> like, like a one seater with like rotted floor underneath, and like one of the pegs is like fucking broken, and the thing rocks and you sit on it, and it's just terrible. So it's nice to have a uh, game store that actually like have that stuff in mind. So, and that's it for me. <laughs> You're shouting out. <laughs> Gaming, etc. is bathroom. That is what you're shouting. I mean, shouting yeah, out. like you gotta you gotta drop heat when you're playing Magic, man. Like, <laughs> it'd be nice, like if you have like a three thousand dollar deck in your backpack, and you're sitting on a a shitter with one bolt in the floor, like rocking all over the place. Yeah, like, it's nice to have nice things to shit on. Hey, you know? as long as they're double sleeved, right? <laughs> uh, what about you, Adrian? Um, my brother-in-law. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, he's a he's an attorney, and um, he's he he keeps every once in a while he'll like say something, and he said something this weekend and I forgot about it and it's it's a line out of a movie and I'm glad he reminded me of it. So shout out, uh, scooping. Are you, are you um, gonna tell us the line from the movie or just like, <laughs> like, soon? Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Keep the listeners so, on the edge of their seats. Scoop in my brother-in-law and uh, and my son and and the guys I got, um, you know, uh, Pat that was playing Miracles and Will that was playing Esper up at uh, Gaming Etc. because they were fucking they were wicked cool to play with. Nice. What about you, Dan? Um, yep. so let's see. I'm going to have to scoop you guys into top eight. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, uh, it's been awesome. Thanks for coming on. Um, going to have to scoop in, uh, first of all, all the guys that that's entertainment in Worcester, cause that's where I learned how to play legacy. And mm-hmm. I mean, the play quality there and, and the quality of human being that you get to play with is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, Gonna have to scoop in Caleb for taking a chance on Worm Harvest uh, and my <laughs> insane advice, uh, but it worked out for him. So um, appreciate him listening to me, having a good time, and doing well. Um, and that's probably it for me. Cool. Um, yeah, so I have someone to scoop you in, Dan. Thanks for coming on. Uh, one of my oldest magic friends. Uh, I, you and uh, you and Mike actually are the ones who taught me how to play Magic back in like sixth grade. Those were good times, the wild mongrel days, yep. maybe. That card was <laughs> yeah. First time I ever saw people play Magic, it was Dan complaining that uh, Mike didn't counterspell Ara's uh, wild mongrel, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm hooked. <laughs> Dude, he should have done that. What an idiot. Yeah, I I remember Gross. distinctly. He counterspelled your lightning bolt, and then Ara. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck. <laughs> guys casting fucking wild mongrel what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> uh so yep definitely definitely gonna scoop you in um you know gaming etc that's entertainment for just making an amazing place to play legacy oh i also gotta scoop in brent because i accidentally stole his engineered plague i borrowed it for the <laughs> event and then never returned it like the scumbag i am <laughs> so next time i see you brent i'll give it back to you 
maybe. <laughs> or it'll be in your binder for a long time, like what Price of Progress you finally get back to Pat. Because I haven't seen Pat. <laughs> <laughs> that was my place at a Price of Progress and a Flooded Strand. Yeah, <laughs> and he he dodged you again, didn't he? Yep, Pat dodged yep. me. He I, we didn't get to play, uh, unfortunately. Nope. But uh, yeah, that my grand scheme was to steal Brent's fifty cent card. <laughs> oh, nice, Jerry. Yes. Um, uh, but you also converted some Jaces into a Savannah, right? Yep. So I sold into the hype. Um, I figure Jace Rin. So talking to people there who play standard. Definitely not my forte, but they're saying Jace is not as good as everyone is saying he is uh, with all the new Madness cards. Um, people are kind of overhyping him. So the store was offering $80 for Jace's, which is $5 more than I paid for him. Which is a standard card. Which is a standard card. So I decided to turn him into something a little bit more stable, and I turned him into a uh, foreign black border savanna. So, that sounds pretty fucking stellar. Yep. So third from standard pla- from standard planeswalker to legacy black border dual lands. Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm just beginning my journey. I I had a black border tundra. Uh, so now I thirty eight thirty eight black border cards to go. <laughs> that, that also reminds me, I got an anti scoop. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'd say a dream crush as it is. A dream crush. Let's hear. Yeah, it. I got a dream crush, Pat. Oh yeah! Oh, brutal. <laughs> yeah, Pat. Uh oh. Yeah, I like. I go out there. I'm like, all right. I need the rest of these things for burning fins. I pick it all up. Come home. Pat's like, I'm gonna sell my Gorio's vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to get rid of him, man. I'm, yeah, I'm, well, I, I was decided right there to pick him up from you. <laughs> well, you know what happened? Well, here's what happened. Here's what happened. I don't want to hear what happened. That's I, a I didn't. I, I, I decided. Excuses. I decided on... Play us out with something sweet, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. Before we go, just uh, one last thing. We still have the uh, auction for the Brainstorm playmat. I think we're going to do a cutoff date of April 15th. So that'll give people about a week uh, once this podcast comes out uh, to get some bids in. Right now it's at $80, which is still you know $20 to $30 below what they go for on eBay. Uh, so right now it's still a steal, and all the proceeds are going to Wounded Warrior. Uh, we're doing yep. is it Wounded? Yeah, Wounded Warrior. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. So get your bids in for that. That's going to end April fifteenth for the Brainstorm play map. Excellent. All right. Awesome. Can I also scoop my dumbass in? So I just went to Twitter to sign up for Twitter, uh, <laughs> and it told me um, that email's taken. I already have a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> So I reset my password. Apparently, I'm following um, Barack Obama, <laughs> Dan- Daniel Tosh, and Brian Kibler. Oh, so, so you're so uh, the you're pillars like a, of your your life. Outfit. Those are the pillars of, of <laughs> Daniel Tosh, Barack Obama, and Brian so, Kibler. So, so Dan, what's your handle? We gotta you're put it out there. Say, yeah, you're supposed to say somebody hacked your account, and now you're following <laughs> <laughs> some fucker. Um, so. My Twitter handle is DG Holland, H O L L A N, 42. So if you got questions, I'm sure I'll give it to you guys. You can put it up. Um, Man, there's no D. Notes you, and... you left the last letter of your name out. That was taken. I'm not even joking. <laughs> I was like, oh, I better change this, which you could do. And it's like, nope, taken. <laughs> Play us out with something sweet, Pat. You can email us at leavinglegacymtg at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Mathematrixter 
at JMEE3RD or at Pat Uglo. Thanks for listening. Remember, play fast, not loose.